We are in the seventh message, seventh sermon. Um, I don't know that this, because it's number seven, you know, some people say that's God's number. Um, that uh, makes it any better. I find that humorous because we were playing uh, Bible, like a Bible trivia card game the other day, and, and in those questions it asks you, so how many times, and it asks you a question. So if you're asking the question and it's a Bible trivia and you don't know the answer, you have three main choices that you should consider. The number three, the number seven, and the number 40. It's going to be 40-something or 7-something or 3-something. There's other numbers, and, uh, but I just uh, thought I would throw that in to lighten things up a little bit. But this is number 7 in our series, and we started preaching this on the first of the year. And we were in San Antonio when we preached that first message and talked to you about that one was particularly about focuses on God's scripture. And so today we're going to kind of pull all those things together. We're going to draw from all those things and be apply some of these principles that we've been learning. But before we do, I want to talk to you about a couple of individuals that you might be familiar with. The first one is Jonah, and the second one is Moses. Now I want you to know that Jonah is the one that goes with the whale, or Jonah and the big fish. Jonah did not build the ark, that was Noah. Uh, but I wanted to let you know that, maybe you don't know that, I can't assume that everybody's Bible literacy is up and going. But we're going to turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Now Jonah is after the book of Obadiah, it's in the section of the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. They're not the minor prophets because they're not important. It's just that they're, they had smaller books. And so it's, it, well, they put them in the section of the minor prophets. I think I read somewhere that in the Hebrew Bible they might call the, lat, the latter prophets. But we're going to look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And chapter 1 is just kind of lay things out. It kind of lays the whole at least the first section, out on kind of what's going on for Jonah. So if you turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and um, they'll have it up on the screen for us as well. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and crowd against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. Now, if you're wondering where all this is at, and if you think about the geography of things, if you think about Israel, let's say I am playing the part of Israel. All right? Nineveh is kind of that direction. Okay? Nineveh is kind of that direction from where Jonah would be. Tarshish is that direction. So Nineveh is this direction. Tarshish is that direction. God says go that way, and Jonah goes... That way. And Jonah is going to Tarshish. And Tarshish is basically, if you know where the rock of Gibraltar is, 
For those of you that like geography or know some of the Rock of Gibraltar, it's basically where Jonah's at. You go to the other end of the Mediterranean Ocean, or Mediterranean Sea. As it goes into the Atlantic, where Spain comes down and, and the Africa comes up, that section right in there, somewhere in that area is basically where he's going. He's going as far as ways as he can go, and it says that to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah's trying to escape. So I just wanted to highlight to you that Jonah is trying to escape. He's supposed to go northeast to Tarshish. Tarshish where the Ninevites, he goes up in that area, not to Tarshish, but to Nineveh, supposed to go to Nineveh. They're not, the pleasant, they're not pleasant people. Jonah didn't like them, but God tells him to go there. He disobeys, and he runs from God. Sometimes people that are called to do something of God run from God, and what they'll find is that it's miserable to be running from God. Now, you may not end up in the belly of a great fish that's prepared for you by God to spend three days and three nights or and all the acid and uckies of the fish. You know, fish sometimes smell. I don't know what they smell like on the inside, but it's probably not good. And so you're probably going to get some... You're going to, I mean, you might throw up just smelling your, your hand or something, right? But anyway, the point being is, God tells you to do something. Running the other complete opposite direction, you're not going to outrun God. So I just want to call that out. Because he ended up going there anyway. He ended up going there anyway. He might not be unhappy about it, but he was effective and God used him. So number one, it's important to be obedient. Now, second person, and we're just, we're going to, is Numbers. We're going to look at the book of Numbers, chapter 20, verses 7 through 13. Now, why are we doing that? Because we're going to talk about Moses. Moses. Numbers, chapter 20. I put my bookmark in the wrong place, but I have it right in my, there, I have a bookmark in the right place. Numbers, chapter 20, verses 7 through 13. Now, as you're turning there, if you are turning, uh, I want to remind you that in Exodus 17, you might recall that Moses was told to, the Israelites needed water. They were probably complaining because they did it a lot. But Moses was instructed to strike the rock, and he struck the rock and for water to come out. Well, that one worked out okay. But in Numbers uh, 27 through 13, it's a little bit different. God didn't tell him to strike the rock. Let's just read it. Numbers 20, verses 7 through 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it, will yield, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from, rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and, it, and he was hallowed among them. What's the cautionary tale in this story here? In Jonah it was, you run from God, it's, you're not going to be comfortable running from God, and you might eventually be doing it anyhow. The cautionary tale here is, don't be thinking the phrase, we must be doing something right when God blesses. See, Moses was told to speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He struck the rock. I find it very interesting that he struck the rock twice. I don't know if it was twice for emphasis or the first time the water didn't come out. Because God didn't say strike the rock and water will come out. He said speak to the rock. Moses was obedient, but still the water flowed. Because God was going to bring glory to himself in spite of Moses' disobedience. Now how big was this offense? It was enough that Moses, this is why Moses didn't go and get to go to the promised land. Because he disobeyed. He disobeyed. But I think sometimes you might hear someone saying, look how God is blessing. We must be doing something right. Or they might use that in defense. Someone will say, you know, I'm not sure if we should be doing this this way. This just doesn't seem right. We're, we're doing something off. This doesn't seem consistent with God's word. There might be a better way. And somebody says, God's blessing it, just leave it alone. But if we're not doing it consistent with Scripture and we're not doing it in such a way, the ends don't justify the means. And they'll say, see, look at my life. I must be doing something right. I must have made the right choice. You see, God's blessing. On the other fact, life might be hard. And you become like Job and say, I must be doing something wrong. No. You, 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 you're mixing these things up. Don't measure that you're being obedient God or go ahead and do what you thought you wanted to do because you didn't want to do it exactly the way God wanted because it's more uncomfortable to you. And then when God blesses anyhow, say, see, it must have been okay when you know in your heart it wasn't. And don't be surprised if God doesn't chastise you, that there's not some kind of consequence for it. And they'll say, but God blessed yeah, God bless, but imagine what the blessing would have been if you would have been obedient. Just imagine. Just imagine. Even, see, Moses was doing maybe what was more comfortable for him. Maybe something he more understood because it happened the last time. But God wanted him to do something new and something different. Not, now, doing something new and something different doesn't mean that it's holy. doesn't mean that it's right. But because God wants you to do something new or change out of your comfort zone like we talked about with Abraham, doesn't mean that's wrong. You just have to be obedient to God. So let's think about these fundamental pieces of guidance that we've talked about and bring these together. What did we talk about? Scripture provides us with those boundaries 
the structure that we operate within. God's not going to contradict his scripture. So they need to work together. The second thing we talked about, to really know God's will, you have to be in a place of surrender. Surrender. If you want the expounded version of these, just go back to, in, and out to the website, marysville3cu.org, the number 3cu.org. Go in the messages section and you'll find these in the order of the messages that we delivered. Scripture, boundaries, surrender is how we really know and approve, and we know what God's will is because we're in a place of surrender. Scripture tells us that in Romans. The next thing is we brought out was direct guidance. It's when you know what God wants you to do. And that you need to respond. You need to recognize it might be different. It might require that you come out of your comfort zone. And it might require you to take the first step of obedience before he tells you what the next step is going to be. God's not necessarily going to lay out, this is what I want you to have, uh, where you plan to be on the next five years. Job applicant. God's not going to necessarily give you the five-year plan. One, you might not be able to comprehend it. He just wants you to take the next step, and through that, you get faith. It also might be if he told you what the five-year plan is and where you're going to be in five years, it might scare you half to death and you'd be afraid of the first step. You might not even be able to understand it. But you need to surrender and take that first step, take that direct guidance, and step out in faith and allow him to tell you the rest of This is direct guidance is when you know, you know. This is what God's telling you to do. You just have to do it. Then we talked about the still, small voice. We told that still, small voice that you have to listen to. You ever had that technique we talked about where teachers, they soften their voice. So people lean in and they want to listen. But sometimes to hear the still, small voice of God, you've got to get out of the way all those distractions so that you can hear him. Maybe you have to find a place alone to pray. Maybe you need to turn the music off that you're listening to, even if it's Christian music, because God's trying to talk to you and you're listening to this music, but that's, you're not focusing, you're not listening to God. God's trying to get through, but you, you, and you know it, but you're turning it up because you're afraid he's going to talk about the thing you don't want to talk about. But you have to want to hear that still small voice and it's that voice behind you telling you to go to the left or to the right. You remember that scripture? We talked about that. To the left or small. It's, it's, it's continual and pushing in one one direction. We talked about how that God's not in the rumbling mountains. He's just still a small voice that you have to hear. It's not necessarily true that God's going to always just yell loudly at you. You shouldn't have to. You should be listening. We talked about waiting on God, and that's difficult. Waiting on His timing means that we have to trust Him, even though we'd feel better if we knew it now. We have to trust His timing. And we have to trust that he's going to follow through and he's going to make it happen when it needs to happen. Oh boy, but that takes a lot of trust. That leans on our patience. Boy, and it works our faith. But there's a lot of lessons to be learned on that. And we've also talked about we have the Holy Spirit. We don't need to cast lots. We talked about the danger of casting fleeces. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. So today, we want to think about, okay, so how does that guide us in our daily lives? Well, one of the things we have to look at is conduct. How does it guide us in our conduct? What do you mean in our conduct? How we have relationships. 
What guidance does God have for us on how we conduct our daily lives and how we work with other people and how we get in deals with other people and the way that we talk to other people? That's all guidance. That's scripture. It's setting those boundaries on this is how you should behave. This is how you should care. This is how you should conduct yourself. This is how you should be truthful. That's guidance. That's those parameters on how I should do that, how I should have relationships. That's guidance. Should I send that email? Should I, really, should I send that text or make that comment in Facebook? Well, let's just see. Does it, does it uh, go along with Scripture? Of course, that requires that you understand Scripture or have been reading Scripture so that God can use that, right? But does it go, is it consistent with Scripture, what you're about to say and the words that you're about to use and how you're going to text that or, or what you're about to put in that post? Is that consistent with Scripture? Hmm. Did you read it more than once? Is that really the right word? Are you pretty agitated about it? Hmm. Maybe, 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 maybe we should, we should wait on God a little bit and have a little bit of prayer and give God a little time. Maybe, you know, one of the techniques is, is if you're getting ready to send that email or something, if you're at work or that text, text a little harder. But if you're at work, take the two out of there, the persons you're going to respond to, take their address out of there so you don't accidentally hit the send button. I don't know if you've ever done that, but this, it's, it, it's hard to get them back. But just take it out of there, and then you type along, and you get your frustrations out, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to put that in the draft, and I'm going to just wait. And then you come back the next day, and you're like, oh, uh, I'm glad I didn't send that note. Sometimes we just need to wait on God and give God an opportunity to speak, right? And be intent on we want to hear that still, small voice to tell us if it's okay or not. And if it's okay, help him say, oh, I need help in crafting this note. Or maybe God will check our hearts. See, that's guidance too, right? Should I send that email, that text? Should I author it? I know that's, those can be hard, especially in the heat of the mode and the emotion, but does it have to go out right now? Now, naturally, we have the big life decisions like marriage, buying houses, cars, careers. Vacation's a pretty big one, too, probably where we go, or if we go. Or. But you have some big life decisions. And so from Scripture, if it's like marriage, or if it's even in houses, or cars, or putting yourself in debt, or different things like that, you know the Bible has a lot to say about all those things. Of course, you have to look to the Bible. You know, the Holy Spirit can talk to us too, but what do we have to do? We have to, well, if we're in a place of surrender, we can heal God and and it says the transforming, the renewing of our minds. So maybe we need to think about our problems and think about our issues with other people and think about how we plan out our next five years. Where do we really need to live? Or what kind of house should we really have? Or what is God's bigger plan? And maybe there's things out there that I'm not perceiving and God's trying to tell me. But there's distractions because he's trying to tell me what I need to do, but... I can't hear him because I got my radio and I got all the things that are turned up loud to tell me what I want to hear 
that I can't hear what I should hear. But there's times that when we're in that place of surrender, he might tell us, this is what I want you to do, and it scares you a little bit. Yeah, but what about this and what about that? And he says, don't worry about the whatabouts. You worry about the next step and take that next step in obedience. Yeah, but what will that do with my five-year plan? And God says, I got that too. But I need you to worry about the next step. Just take the next step. And when you take that next step, whether it's in a job or in whatever it is, then the way you conduct yourself in those new things are the boundaries of Scripture. He tells us how to live, how to conduct ourselves, how to approach life. And then we continue to wait on God and we're listening to his voice. You know, prayer, prayer is communion with God. And I think, you know, sometimes that scripture says praying continuously. I think it's having that open channel with God, allowing him to say, I'm listening for you to say something. I haven't shut you out. I'm listening for you to hear, say something. I'm, I'm wanting you to be part of my life. But sometimes we have to make decisions in the moment. In the moment. But in the moment, it still shouldn't contradict Scripture. But sometimes in the moment, you don't have time to think. But that's when we want the Holy Spirit to have molded us, that we have lived a surrender life. So the old analogy is when I'm bumped, what comes out is what I'm filled with. So when we're bumped and we stub our toe or smash our thumbs, that... There's not a string of cuss words that come out of our mouth because God's renewed our heart in a different way. Maybe you're growing in your word, use of words, but the Lord can help you. But it's in the moment. In the moment, we still have to listen and we need to pause and we need to pray. And You know, there's times when I've been talking with people about things of God. Maybe I'm witnessing, it might be in a restaurant or something, and I have to, they ask the question, and, and you know, for me, you've probably already discerned this in this sermon, if you didn't know it before, I can talk rather fast. And so, for me, a few seconds feels like an eternity of silence. But I try to learn when someone's talking and they ask me a question, I try to pause. It's hard sometimes. But I tried to pause and listen and see how God wants me to answer that question. And then give an opportunity for the still small voice to give me the words that what I should say. Because, you know, Jesus did tell the disciples and when they went out to witness and things that the Holy Spirit, they would, they would know what to say. He can do that for you too. But we have to pause and give him opportunity. Be in that place of prayer, and then we need to be obedient. We need to be obedient. Now, there are times that we're operating within the boundaries of Scripture. We're listening to the Holy Spirit, but then it kind of gets down to the point as we would, if you look in Luke 14, we're not going to turn there, but if you want to look in Luke 14, 25 through 33, you'll find where Jesus talks about counting the cost. We're not going to, but counting the cost. Which of you building a tower or which, which of you sending someone else out does not count the cost? 
And I think you would find in Scripture, but there comes a point when God doesn't tell you. There's some things that God just expects you to decide and, and to figure out and to use your best wisdom and judgment and lean on others and, and uh, you know, yes, he can help you discern on whether you should buy the chocolate chip cookies or the Oreos. But he doesn't always tell you those things. But you could say, well, which one's in my budget and which one's better for my health or whatever decision factors you have. He gives us a mind and he trains our mind and we learn to discern and use the wisdom that he gives us. Not that we don't give him the opportunity and we're walking with God to intervene and he pulls your hand away and says, don't get those. You're like, okay, I'm not going to get those. I'll get these other ones. But sometimes he leaves us to our discernment. But how we conduct ourselves in those times needs to be bound by Scripture. We need to be seeking the Holy Spirit. We need to give an opportunity for, for Him to hear. Now there's other times, I'm, I'm, we're trying to, I'm trying to walk through different kinds of situations. There's other times when we're walking along, we're like, I wonder if I should keep doing this. This is getting hard. Did God tell you to change? Just because it's hard doesn't mean that God's telling you to change. You know, sometimes, you know, I think we talked about this a little last week, but I think I'll bring it in a little bit again. We talked about open and closed doors. God makes things available to us, but sometimes we're going down and we just have to trust God that if he doesn't want us to have a job and we're going for interviews and we're interviewing several different places and we don't know anything, that God, we, if I'm not supposed to have that job, that job that God will, I won't get it. That's God closing a door. But just because you have, uh, just because when you got ready to go to church today, that you had a, um, you know, your, your hot water was only warm, doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to try to come to church. That's not God closing the door. Well, I guess God doesn't want me to go to church because it's difficult. There's other things God asks us to do, and we keep plowing through. Just because God made it hard for Job didn't mean he wanted Job to stop. Just because things are hard doesn't mean he wants us to stop. We, we get things out of order, see? We try to use the circumstances to tell us what we should be doing instead of listening to the voice of God, see? Well, people don't like me when I do this and I do that. Is it what God wants you to do? Yes, but people don't like me. Well, don't let the people not liking you so none go with me, so I will follow. See, we get them out of order when we, we have to get them in the right order. We've got to consider our primary sources of guidance are Scripture, right? It's Scripture and the Holy Spirit and through prayer. And but not everybody that sounds like they know what they talk, are talking about actually know what they're talking about. I mean, have you listened to any politicians lately? Did they actually say anything? Sometimes fellow Christians with the best intentions are a distraction. Almost makes you think, you think of the Jesus telling Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. We have to discern God's will and remember, it's not God, excuse me, it's not people that call us, for me, was, people didn't call me to preach, God called me to preach. Now, people come alongside and confirmed it in, in certain ways, you know, and it says, 
you know, have you thought about this? Or some, they were confirming, but they, they weren't the primary. They were more like secondary confirmations of things. And circumstances of life will give you secondary confirmations of things. And God maybe will send things along, but it's not to be your primary. It has to be Scripture, then it has to be the Holy Spirit. We must not get things out of order, especially if you're... Somebody might come up to you and say, hey, you make a great teacher or a great this, and you're like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, that might be a great idea. But God never called you to it. Now, I need to distinguish to you that a calling, so I'm called to preach. That's a lifelong type of call. That's not a God asking you to teach a Sunday school class for a month. Or God asking you to do something else for a month. It, it's a lifelong call. Now, God might ask, call you into teaching, or God might, I don't know what God might be calling you into. But these are lifelong calls. I struggled with my call for a year, trying to discern, is that really what God wants me to do? Even though I was awakened on a spring night in my college dorm room, the words preach, preach, come into my mind. I'm like, is that really what God wants me to do? I mean, it would be okay. And so I went back and forth, because you don't want to make emotional decisions. And you think, well, that would be all right for me, but is that what God wants? And so that's the struggle that people that are struggling with their call struggle with, is, is this something that I want to do, or is it God want me to do it? Or is it my will of agreeing with God's will? I don't want to do it emotionally. I don't want to do it lightly. I want, don't want to do it because I think it would be fulfilling. I want to do it because it's God's will. And so our minds fight with that. And so people in the midst of a call go through these things. So they have to wait on God. And there will come a time, as long as they're not running from it, like, because people are running from their calls. They're not running from it like Jonah. But they're seeking God. There will come a time when God will use someone else or something to confirm it. And then they could go back to that. Because in the hard time, when you're called to something like that, you have to go back to, you, you discern that that was what, exactly what God wanted you to do. And because God asked me to do it, whether it's a call or maybe it's a decision on a house or something, you are sure that's what God wanted you to do. You're going to have to go back and say, God, I knew that for sure that's what you told me to do. I don't have anything to believe it was any different. I know I'm questioning it now because it's hard, but I'm for sure. So you lean back on that calling and you drive forward. It's like a stake in the ground. In the Old Testament, they build pillars so they might remember. Maybe you need to write it down. Whatever works for you. But you know God's asked you to do it and you need to move forward. So that's, we're dipping a little bit into one of these cautions. And we talked about it before. I just want to read for you as to remind you that in 1 John 4, 1 through 6. 1 John 1, 4 through 6. Because we know and we've talked about it in the previous messages that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Scripture and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us. But there are these counter things that can be fighting against us. In 1 John 4, 1 through 6, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
For this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. You are of And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And just because they have a whole lot of people that go hear them speak doesn't mean they're of God. We have the Holy Spirit. Try the spirits. Are they consistent with God's scriptures? Are they consistent with how we conduct ourselves? Because we have to guard about those emotional events. But do, do we need to remind you that if that in Scripture, I believe it's in, first, in the Corinthian letters, but God is a God of order. Because you'll find in Scripture, remember this Scripture? God is not the author of confusion. Confusion. We, even in exciting services, we do not have to be disorderly. Even in church meetings or district or general board meet, council meetings, we don't have to be disorderly. God is not an author of confusion. And so in the emotional things, and we get things in tur- turmoil, can God turn the world upside down? Yes, he can, but you better be clear about it. Some people get very excited, and the first thing out of their mouth, they're like, oh, let's go do this, and let's go do that, and, and, and let's just, and they skip past Scripture. And they'll raise their hand, yes, I will promise $10,000, because I believe God is behind this. They don't have $10,000 to their name. And they might not even follow through on it. But we get into the emotion. Not that we can't be emotional, but we have to do things in order. God's not the author of confusion. We have to base it on Scripture, listening to His Word, trust in the Holy Spirit, be obedient to Him, and He will guide us. In these last seven messages, including this one, we've tried to give you the principles of guidance. I don't know every situation you're going through. I've gone through a lot myself. But if you take these principles of guidance, these encouragements, these cautions, and these you better be careful about that approach, that hopefully that have given you some tools in your particular decision point. Your particular guidance points, your certain areas that you're dealing with right now to apply those. And one of the best things is you need to be rightly dividing the word of truth by knowing his word. So if you're like, I don't know what to do, just read his word. Start there. Start there. Seek, seek things out. 
I mean, in the internet, there's all kinds of things to search on to tell you where things are in the Bible. I go to BibleHub.com, kind of search there. It's got some Greek things for me. There's other things that pop up. Now, I'm not suggesting you need to go out there and listen to every person that has an opinion. I mean, I searched on holiness, and it come up as the holiness Dalai Lama or something like that. I don't want you to go and listen to the Dalai Lama. Don't try everything that you see on the Internet. You know better than that. But there are scriptural help to say this is in this place in the Bible. You read it in the Bible and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the Bible. You don't even have to listen to all those commentaries out there. I probably wouldn't. Just say, okay, I'm just using you to find it where it is in the Scripture. If you don't have that, use your concordance. If you have a Bible with a concordance, or get a concordance. Just find it in Scripture. Trust the Word first. People, second, third, fourth, or fifth, or beyond that even. All right. Let's be standing together. Father God, we thank you for these tools of helping us in living and conducting our life, giving us guidance on our daily life, and giving us guidance in our decision points, and giving us guidance in how to respond to things and how to deal with other things. Lord, as you know, we've uh, talked about several aspects of guidance, the different facets of guidance, if you might allow Lord, you know where each one hearing this message is in their walk with you. You know what, where they're in their walk of life. You know the decisions that are upon them that are big. You know the decisions that are smaller. You, you know, Lord, if they're, where they're at in their maturity and where they're at in allowing you to guide them in their daily interactions with people or businesses or... And Lord, so we present all that to you. And we ask, the Lord, that you would enable each of us to grow a little better in hearing from you and to seeking your will, to listen to the still small voice and then being obedient. Trusting you when it takes a little more time, giving us the patience and the faith because that stretches us and we learn. Lord, comfort this, your people. Guide and direct us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.